baby got backlog. Is my uh, metronome on? It's not. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to Baby Got Backlog. Maybe the weirdest episode we've done. Yeah, you'll probably notice that Trevor sounds like he's in uh, color technicolor today. And that's probably because we're in the same room for once. We're that's in, weird. We're in the magic, the magic recording studio that is my house. And we're what doing, a lovely house it is. Thank you for noticing. This is weird. This is weird. I don't like looking you in the eye without a webcam in front of me. That's all right. I'll just stare at the computer as if you're, <laughs> as if you're on the other end. Anyway, hold on. This, I'm going to pause it for a second. Okay, sorry. Quick quick audio check uh it's baby got backlog it's the show where uh we talk about games and we are in the same room and it's really kind of uncomfortable it's way worse than i thought it was gonna be it's horrible i told you our show was canceled if we ever have to record in the same room and you yeah. were like no dude it'll be great <laughs> this is the hypothetical last episode it'll be fine oh it's it's the last episode uh so yeah i guess that's it Man, it's it's weird. It's really weird. We're gonna just keep addressing it throughout the show, I think. Yeah, everyone buckle up. Like eventually the weird energy will just kinda settle. I'm also like I have like this Pavlovian response in my brain that like if I talk and you say something, I'm expecting your you to cut off and me not to hear what you said, if that makes sense. Yeah, or like a lag, like sometimes you cut out. Yeah. And I have to wait a minute to respond. Yeah, so like I'm having this this like guttural reaction of like when we're on Discord, I'm like very careful to like pay attention if you're about to say something so that I don't cut you off and now I'm doing it like in per- in person as well. Yeah, we're uh lagging IRL. Yeah. Weird. Super weird. Well, there's no gaming news, so let's just jump into you want to just jump into what we're talking about this week? Yeah. Um yeah, no gaming news. It's February. We got the uh, we got the big Nintendo Direct. That's like I feel like that. I know it happened a couple weeks ago, but I'm like that's like big enough news to last me till June. You know, it was so much between the Nintendo Direct and everything that's going on around surrounding Hogwarts Legacy. Mm. I it doesn't make sense to keep revisiting those things because they're kind of both staying the same. You right. Know, the Hogwarts Legacy thing's not really getting better. It's actually getting worse. Yeah. I will say this um, in terms of Nintendo news is uh, on that day, they were like, there's a million demos that are available now. Um, and I played the Octopath Traveler 2 demo, which is uh, in standard Squee, square, square, Squee Ernix. <laughs> In standard Squee Ernix fare, uh, you can play for three hours of the game, and it's just like the beginning of the game, and you get to play for three hours, and then when that time is up, if you want to buy the full game, it just transfers into the full game, which I still maintain is the best way to do demos. I don't know why every game doesn't do that. I don't know why every game doesn't do demos. Yeah, Well, yeah, that shout, too. Shout out to Square Enix for being like one of very few companies that still do like good playable demos of good games coming yeah and uh yeah so i played the demo and to be honest like i loved octopath traveler one which i've i've told you many times Mm -hmm. i love that game and i don't know i was kind of feeling like lukewarm on octopath traveler 2 i don't know if that's because it looks 
so much like so much more of the same in a lot of ways that I was like, I don't know, maybe the first one will be my only experience and like that's all I need. But um I played this demo and I was like I'm going to buy I was like, I forget it. I'm doing the pre-order and I'm going to play Octopath Traveler 2 day one. I'm like super pumped. And so what's changed? Like, did they add new mechanics? Are there just a lot of new characters? Like, what's the what's the fresh take on it? Yeah. Well, d- okay. Can I get into like some history of Octopath Traveler 1 then? A yeah, little? man. Let's jump in. So, um, and like, I'd love at some point if you want to do like the Octopath Traveler 2 demo or the first games demo, like that would be a great game for you to like dip in and we could have a cool conversation about. But so the concept with Octopath Traveler 1 is that um you choose one of eight travelers and they all each have their own little like novel style um stories. So you pick, um who did I pick this time? Her, I think her name is like, Ocello or something and she's like she is a beast master is her class that's the other thing too is there's eight different classes in the in the game that like have different play styles and so the beast master class allows you to um capture enemies and like use them in battle oh that's cool later on yeah it's fun it's kind of like pokemon um but so her whole thing is like she is like a little beast human person living in like a beast human um town and she's sort of like the 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 prophesized like she's going to grow up and protect the town and there's this little political like conflict that's going on where like the humans like don't respect the beast pe- people and they like come in and are like trying to steal their land um but you go on this little quest of like the humans are like we're not here to steal your land we're here because our waters have been contaminated and like people are um uh is it that people are getting sick or am i getting it mixed up whatever they're oh no they lost a little girl they're like we lost one of our people in in these woods and like we're not strong enough to get it so you um go out on this little quest to save the little girl have a boss fight and whatever and it's it's this little like short 45 minute long chapter but that's sort of the thing about octopath travelers it's these eight different characters they have each have their own little self-contained stories and they happen in like these short little chapters which is really cool conceptually. Yeah. And the the other thing too that makes Octopath Traveler unique is that um the way that they handle the classes is a little bit less traditional. So there's um there's Beastmaster, which is like there are other JRPGs with that class, but it's pretty unique. Uh Beastmaster, there's Thief, which is pretty classic. Um you have like a classic mage, but you also have um what are the cool ones? Oh, there's Apothecary. Um, an Apothecary is like basically like an old-timey like doctor. So um, you you sort of – you revolve around being like a healer, but you can collect items in the world that, uh, that allow you to like mix in battle and like make unique items that might like do a ton of damage to enemies or you might use them to heal ailments of your characters or whatever. So they're all about like collecting items and using them. So the thing that's cool about Octopath Traveler is a, there's sort of like a unique twist on all of the classes, but the thing that has made Octopath Traveler too unique is that they have even put like a twist on the, on like, the storytelling of those classes. Okay. So in the first Octopath Traveler, just to give one example, the apothecary character is named Alfin, and he's a pretty like classic 
like white eyed, like I want to set out to like heal people. Like I want to travel to towns, heal people, help them and like become one of the like the best apothecaries and like come up with new cures. And it's sort of like a classic um, wholesome tale. But in this game, the apothecary whose name is like Set Seti or Sesti or something, the names are very they escape me. They're very oh, weird. weird. Um you uh you start the game like adrift on a boat with having no memory. So you wake up in this town having no memory of how you got there. You were like cut adrift on a boat and then like these travelers with like a big pirate ship saved you. But you show up at this town and you've no idea who you are, but everybody in the town sees like the outfit that you're wearing and they're like, Oh, you're part of that like horrible apothecary cult. That's like poisoning the world and like doing all of these horrible things. And she's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. So like the thing that they did in this game is the, the characters from the first game, they put like an even, even another twist on them in this game where like the apothecary character in the first game was like a very classic wholesome story. But in this game, you're like potentially part of a dark cult that you know nothing about. That's wild. It's very cool. Like, and I, I personally, I like the storytelling because the storytelling is really quick. There are all these short chapters and you can do them in whatever order you want. So it's like open world style. So after I got the Beastmaster and now the apothecary character, the game's like, cool just go run around and like whoever i find next will be the next person that comes and i heard it too that come i think it was outside oh that might be stacy's alarm let's give it one more beep okay hold on we're gonna go figure (laughs) out what that beep is all right welcome back to us for i don't remember what we were talking about you were we were talking about octopath traveler two yes it's great. <laughs> um, it's uh, so yes, it's got it has to sum it all up. It has very succinct and short stories, which I find engaging and fun. Um, the I didn't even talk about the battle system, which is all just like really, really well telegraphed and intelligent and awesome. Um. I just think it's like the perfect JRPG for like me. It's all like gameplay focused. It's like open world. All of the classes have like special abilities to do with like all their townsfolk. Like thieves can steal things from people and the beast master can like challenge them with the beasts and like try and defeat people for special rewards. So um, it's great. I was going to not play Octopath Traveler 2. Now I'm going to play it day one. Nice. God, what a... (laughs) What are we talking about today, Trevor? Do we... (laughs) Do we need to take a break and come back? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh, it's Baby Got Backlog. It's the show where everything goes wrong, which is the name of a real play. Which I saw. Oh, yeah. Was it good? Oh, my God. It was phenomenal. I really want to see it. It sounds great. It's it's a yeah. It's great. Trevor, what games are we talking about today? We're talking about so much. Uh, so I've been here for, what, two like a day and a half. Yeah, it's been almost two days now. And we've played so many games. Before we talk about those, and I, I meant to throw this in where we usually do uh, gaming news. So uh, I think season one, we talked about Breath of the Wild. Yes. And I didn't like it. And I didn't like it because you so rightfully were like, well, you haven't played it enough. But I thought I did. Yes. And I didn't. Yes. 
So Andy and I had a very long discussion about Breath of the Wild the other day. Yes. And I was uh, feeling good, let's say. Yes. And uh, bought it. So turns out, and you know this, Andy, uh, turns out I had a save file from back in the day because I played someone else's copy of Breath of the Wild. So I didn't have to start all the way from the beginning. Yes. Which was nice. Uh, so on the pod, wanted to issue a formal apology to yes. you, Andy, and everyone, all two of you that listen who have played Breath of the Wild, and yes. like, Trevor's weird, he doesn't like Breath of the Wild, because I'm a convert, I love this game. So here's, okay, to make it even like more specific too, is like Trevor's biggest issues, his mental blocks were that he didn't like the breakable weapons, and he didn't like the weather mechanics. Which... I haven't even encountered since I've started playing again. Yes. And so here's the thing is like, I, my perspective was that when I started breath of the wild, I also held those beliefs. And I was like, these mechanics are annoying. But when I pushed past them, first of all, like Trevor will probably attest, they're just not a big deal at all. The weather one certainly is not the, the weapon durability mechanic bothers me i find it annoying but it's not a but it's not a big deal it's not it doesn't inhabit you from like from going places and accomplishing what you want and so right so a they're not a big deal but b like i personally found that once i had played the game enough i feel like they aid the experience but the long and short of it was i was like you're getting hung up on those two things and if you play the game more, you're going to find out that those things are really not that big a deal right? in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, and I now I agree with that. I'm a convert. I love this game it's now. It's great. Um, in fact, uh, you went to bed last night, and I told you this. I stayed up until like 2 in the morning <laughs> <laughs> playing Breath of the Wild and just like messing with the physics of the world and like doing shrines and towers and stuff. So we're gonna, I'm gonna, we're gonna do an episode on Breath of the Wild in the future when I've played even more, because um, at this point, uh, I think I've only played for like ten to fifteen hours, grand total. Maybe, yeah, I guess if you count the first part of the save, but yeah, probably like ten hours over yeah. a couple. If you days. count the grand total from the the very first time I picked up this game, maybe twenty hours. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So I'm gonna play this game more, and then sometime in the future, I'm gonna come back. We're going to do another deep dive on Breath of the Wild, but I just wanted to let everyone know <laughs> that I have reneged on my opinion of Breath of the Wild. <laughs> that the I'm game sucks because of that one mechanic that <laughs> no, it doesn't. The game's actually great. Can we talk about, I want to share you finding, stumbling into the uh, the Forest of Illusion, though, because like for me, watching, knowing that all of that was happening was so cool. Which part? Oh, like the just like finding what the, it. like what the puzzle was, or oh, mm-hmm. or knowing exactly what I was stumbling upon. Just the whole thing. Like you were just wandering the world, and you saw like a big tree in, in, shrouded in stuff, and you were like, "That's freaking weird. I want to go over there." So he did that, and he did the little forest of illusion puzzle. And, like again, I'm watching. Like I know that like there's a lot of stuff in there that's a big deal, but Trevor just did the puzzle and walked in, and he's just like. 
oh my God, it's just the master sword. Like it's just right there. Like those are the moments like to me that I feel like this game is so cool. Cause you literally just of your own curiosity stumbled into one of the most important pieces of the story. And the game just let you get there. Like, yeah. you know, you're just like, oh, it's just sitting on the floor. <laughs> like it's, there it is. Like there it is. Like, and for me, it was cool to see that moment just like happen in front of me. I was like, this is awesome. This is what uh, the game's all yeah, I think, and you'll, I think you'll attest to this. The other thing that I think this game's about, well, that I think because you think this, is uh, we we had another fun moment the other day when I was playing because I was doing a shrine, and I like walked in, did just did the shrine, and Andy was like, I never would have thought of that solution to that shrine. Yeah, yeah, and like. It's again like it's one thing to like say that this game lets you solve pretty much any puzzle in 15 different ways. It's another when you literally see it. Like when literally and I think the the example in question is there's like a sphere on top of a block that you have to like knock off. Oh and, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. And lead into so but like behind the block is a waterfall and what you're supposed to do is use your water magic to create a a block out of the waterfall that pushes it off. And I never thought of that. And I've played that puzzle probably three times at least. And I never once that occurred to me that that's what you're supposed to do. And uh, hold on, we're going to pause. So anyway, I was like, oh, I, Trevor did the clearly the intended solution. And there's like four other ways. But like to see it play out that someone else just does something different. You're like, oh, I never thought of that. It's like so cool. Yeah. And I think maybe that was another mental block for me maybe not even on a conscious level but i think the because you know me i'm not like a huge like puzzle person in games because i like to shut my brain off and so i think in my head i hyped up a lot of these shrines and puzzles that brother of the wild was going to have for me um but so far i haven't found one that i had to like walk away from because it was too complex like like you've pointed out a couple times i've just been overthinking this the game and the shrines and how everything works yeah and i think that's one of the reasons that i think this game is really accessible to people who are like not phenomenally great at puzzles or just not really like hardcore gamers because in in this is probably there are exceptions i'm sure there are a ton of puzzles that you have to solve one specific way which is fine but the vast majority of them allow you to tackle them however you want and usually you're doing that without realizing it like you if i was not in the room you wouldn't have thought i'm coming up with my own unique solution you just did it the way you thought of but because there's a bunch of different ways for you to get there i think it's less likely that people will get stumped because there are a ton of different ways to approach the problem yeah which I, is cool puzzle design yeah agreed and i think i honestly think that part of the me changing my mind has been playing in the same room as you where you're like oh i never thought of that oh i never tried that oh i never have seen this thing um yeah so i think having that in my head instead of going in by myself and being like oh grumble 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 grumpiness um there's someone aside or beside me who has played the game three times and been like i have sunk 300 hours in this game and have never tried that seen that done that there have been like and i'm not even exaggerating for the sake of it there honestly were like 
there've been like 10 things or places you've been to that I'm like, oh, I've never seen that even once. Like for example, the Korok that you found that's like a little fruit dangling at the end of a chain. Oh yeah. I've never seen that. I've never seen a Korok like that in the whole game. Like, you know, and I've, again, I've played this game three times over. So like, yeah, I, I think it's, and like, it's, it's interesting. Cause you've pointed out that like, Everybody has, like, this bombastic, huge idea of this is one of the best games of all time. Mm -hmm. But, like, it doesn't materialize in that huge, bombastic way. It materializes in all of those little ways that, like, again, I've played this game so many times, and I'm seeing a way to find a Korok that I've never stumbled upon in 300 hours. And, like, it's all of those little things over time that you're like, oh, that's a little magical moment. That's a little magical moment. That's a little magical moment that like over time you're like, this game's great. Yeah. Or like the way I did the divine beast earlier. Yeah. Right. Yes. Which, w- oh my God, which was like, <laughs> just like uh, the three, me, you and Stacy being in the room, watching you do that was like one of the most memorable, amazing things because the game just lets you do all of this wacky nonsense. Yeah. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll try and condense it, the story, but uh, I was trying to solve, I wouldn't really even call it a puzzle, a problem. It's a puzzle, I guess, right? Yeah, a puzzle-ish in the uh, elephant divine beast, Ruta. Ruta? Mm -hmm. Va va Ruta, I think. Yeah, that. Um, And Andy's like, I think you need to do this. And I just did something completely different. So, so like, something really obscure too. I, do you want to take the time to like explain it? Or? Yeah, if 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 this will convey. But like the moment, okay, I, it'll be worth it if you could stick with us because the moment it all came together was magical. So like, there's this room that's rotating in the center of like a gear, and you have to like, you have to. Sorry, I'm just checking my phone because I'm making sure Stacy isn't texting me because of the nightmare that is my house. Um, so uh there's this rotating gear and you have to like freeze this certain object and manipulate it in a certain way so that the door will open at like the top of the rotation. So you can walk in and get the thing right. Like normally this little room is like shut off, but you have to make sure it's open. So basically like Trevor was doing it in such a way that he was opening the door at like a quote unquote incorrect time and trying to like jump into it at an angle, which was like, Trevor was like, well, but I can do it that way, so now I have to. So we're like, yeah, do it that way, whatever. So after, like, 15 tries, Trevor finally gets in the room, and the room is upside down, and at that moment we realized the developers put spikes on the <laughs> ceiling specifically so that you can't do it this way. So now the room's upside down, and Link is bouncing on these spikes, <laughs> taking damage. And we're like, no, it's cool. We have, like, 20 meals. We could just keep tanking the hits and eating meals to heal ourselves. And then at that moment we said it, hitting the spikes, like, shot Link out at, like, 50 miles an hour out of the room, like, fly, like careening to the bottom. <laughs> of this dungeon <laughs> we all were just like just roaring with laughter that like it was like so much more satisfying that you were like yes i finally pulled it off after 20 tries and the developers were like yeah but no though you can't we we thought that you might try this and then <laughs> ruined yeah. it for us. it was such a magical moment i'm really glad oh. that because i mean you you probably would have believed me if you weren't in the room, but like, what a ridiculous thing to experience <laughs> firsthand. Yeah. Uh, I I think I got it all. I saved that clip on my Switch. 
Oh, did you? I think I got the whole thing. Oh, amazing. That was so great. Because the second it happened, I was like, that's hilarious. I need to try and save that. Yeah, that that was... Yeah, so it was just, like, great. But, like, it's that's, like, a great example of all of these hilarious moments that can come out of this game because they just let you do all of this wacky nonsense to, like, try and do it, you know? So. Yeah. Uh, if anyone's on Instagram, I'll put it on my Instagram, at Trevor in the Hall. You can go watch the clip. Uh, I'll put it up as soon as we're done recording. I think I got the whole thing. It's so good. Uh, it was a great. It was, it was magical. So, uh, yeah, so... We've been having fun playing it, and, like, again, I think a lot of it is just that I think you just needed to, like, push past it because, like I told you as well, like, it is true that when you get off of the Great Plateau and just enter the world, you are, like, very weak, and just about anything will tank you, and, like, I think the game wants you to have a brief moment of, like, oh, this world is terrifying and daunting, and, like, I need to have my wits about me. However... It's not, it's very quickly after that that you suddenly have an arsenal of weapons and you have a couple hearts and you're like, oh, I feel like I can take on this world. Like, so I I just think you got stuck in that first part of mm -hmm. this world is terrifying and difficult, but it's, the game doesn't make you sit there for too long. You pretty quickly feel competent, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, about 10 hours in and I already have, what, 11 hearts all sorts of like really cool, interesting weapons. Yep, you just beat one divine beast beat down. A divine beast, which and all the divine beasts give you like great abilities that make you a lot stronger as well. Right. So like it's <clears throat> that definitely is can be a pain point I think for people. But like the reason I was confident that you might get there, or even if you wouldn't get there, the reason I wanted you to push further was because I was like you just have to give it a little longer and all of those things that you're so frustrated with are not going to frustrate you anymore. Like they do a great job of getting past it, you know? Yeah. I will say I'm still annoyed by the weapon durability, but you're right. It's not as it's not... big a deal as it is in the very beginning of the game where it's like, okay, I have a branch and a torch. I guess I'm going to go get just rocked by all of these. Right goblins and stuff right like you and that and that's like fair that you may have problems with that mechanic because lots of people do but like i think before you were like i hate this mechanic so much that it makes the game unplayable and it's like it it doesn't make the game unplayable it you you pr are like fine like you know you have like two weapons that are like 50 and like destroyed the uh, Calamity Ganon guy in Varuta. Like, oh, easily. yeah. Like, you know, like, it's not a problem. Like, you yeah. think it is. Yeah. Certainly, certainly not as big a problem as I thought. Yeah. And I could write a thesis about why I like that mechanic, but I think I'm in the, the pretty vast minority. <laughs> I kind of want to write, I think you and I should, like, co write an essay or something on this game because as someone who started off not loving this game and is now obsessed with this game, and as someone who went into the game thinking they weren't going to love it and then you loved it like yeah and i think i i don't know if i shared that on the podcast but i shared it with you that like before this game i hated open world games <laughs> like when they announced it was an open world zelda i wrote it off like oh lame like and then i played it and i was like oh the weapon mechanics are annoying and the weather mechanics are annoying like lame forget this game it's like all i was in the same boat as you that i was like turned off by so much about this game at first right yeah. And, I mean, you said you were kind of lukewarm on Zelda games as a whole at that point, right? Oh, I still am. Yeah. I don't, I don't, well, this would be another thing that people will come at me with pitchforks, but, like, I think all of the 3D Zelda games except for Breath of the Wild suck and I hate them. 
Right. They're just like, I don't see the appeal of them. I really like the 2D Zelda games, but yeah, so we're I think we're both converts in that respect, but it was like before it was like I just praised the game and loved it, so you didn't really see that I was a convert as much, you know? Yeah. Because I was converted many right. years ago. I uh I think it's funny now that like because now I'm itching for Tears of the Kingdom. Like, I know you are. Oh, I'm so And now itching. I am. Now that I'm into Breath of the Wild, like, I can't wait to see what tweaks they make and what changes they added and, like, yeah. the new stuff they're going to put in. Like, I'm super excited for Tears of the Kingdom now, which I didn't think I was going to be. Like, I wanted to, I wanted to hop in because, you know, I thought the hype would be more fresh if I hop in, like, right when it launched. But now that I act actively like Breath of the Wild, I can't wait for that game. Yeah. Well, and again, like you, you will probably have some more magical moments because, like, we have talked about this before too. But it is understandable that when everyone in the world says this game is amazing and you love it, that it, it's hard. You go in and you expect to be amazed and fall in love. But like the rest of us, when Breath of the Wild came out, I was like lukewarm on it and wasn't expecting it to be anything. And so as a result. I was like, oh man, like it, it blew my expectations out of the water 10 times over. Right. So hopefully with Tears of the Kingdom coming out, we can all have that moment. And now it's like, well, we don't know what to expect. Yeah, that's my hope is now that I understand the Breath of the Wild hype, I'm more hyped for Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. Do you have any opinions on the fact that that game is $70 instead of 60 I do. I have a lot of opinions. Okay. So... To, to jump into that, we have to backtrack a little bit to 1997. Yeah. <laughs> Let me take you back to December 20th, 1991, the day I was born. Uh, it was a cold winter's day. Uh, so, so there's a lot of games. We're, we're in the transition period between last gen and next gen for the Xbox and the PlayStation and soon Nintendo will probably be hopping aboard that train also. Yeah, we'll probably have a new if it's not next year, we're like nearing the the next system whatever it is. Yeah, no later than 2026 we're going to have a new Nintendo system whatever it is. Yeah. Um and what I've been seeing are, you know, these big AAA games like Call of Duty um What's another one that that's done it that I've seen? Uh, Hogwarts Legacy did it. Uh, I want to say the Guardians of the Galaxy game. Tons of titles. Um, I think Spider-Man also have been doing this thing where when they launch, they have, uh, what do they call it? They call it like a next-gen edition or something where you get the PS4 version, but you also get the PS5 version quote-unquote for free. But, but it's, it's like seventy or eighty dollars, right? So it's not free. You're just paying for two versions of the game, and one of them's at a discount, right? And I hate it. So wait, so you're telling me like Call of Duty Shoot a Man comes out, and you can get it for sixty dollars for PS4 or seventy for PS5? Yeah, is that basically yes. it? Okay. Yes, or like you know eighty or a hundred or more for like the special editions that come with both and a bunch of other additives and like and that's all not to say that doesn't even include the whole thing of like they're also going to release a 40 dollars dlc for that game right later also right. which is a huge thing yes right that's it's that's its own bag of worms yeah 
I think I just mixed bag of snakes and can of worms. Oh my god, I didn't even realize that you did. It's I just I just heard it and accepted it like it was a new it's, it's a cl- whole it's close enough to both. It's a whole new bag of worms. That's uh, a whole new Sunday, my guy. <laughs> um okay, so yeah, so you you feel it's too much. You think it's too much money. It is. I I understand that there's a lot that goes into programming and coding and game design and making it for the PS4, making it for the PS5, making it for the the PC, making it for Xbox making it for switch if it's going to be on switch i get that Mm -hmm. however why like why is it that the industry is now changing the standard like we're going to give people two copies of the game but you have to pay more like now that i'm saying it out loud it's like yes you're paying for two copies of the game essentially but it's the same game and technically like the PS4 and the PS5 aren't not the same system but they're the same entity so it just seems like if they really wanted to they could be like oh it's just 60 if for you, the next yeah, yeah if you get this game you're just going to, and some games have done that mm-hmm. but games that are launching brand new for both have been doing this thing. See, it's it's interesting when you present it that way. It it almost seems like a positive to me because it feels like if you are, it it feels like a positive to me because I have a PS4 and like for example, I was able to get Elden Ring, which was awesome. But like, I also see that there are people that are like, I bought the PS5 two years ago, and at this point, there really is no benefit to there being a PS5 because there aren't that many games for it. So I think for those people to say, I want to pay $10 extra for the, the premium, expensive, super next-gen experience, but also I can get it for regular price, feels okay. But I guess I get what you're saying, that why couldn't the, the price for the PS5 be 60 and the price for the PS4 be 50 Like Because I'm, yeah. Right, and I would agree with what you're saying if games that launched on PS4 and then got a, a free PS5 upgrade... If that wasn't a thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, you're you're then saying, like, Activision could give me Call of Duty Shoot-A-Man on PS5 for free after I had already purchased the PS4 version, but they're choosing not to. They're making me pay another $20. Yeah. 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 To That's me, my problem with it. To me, the problem is more interesting to me from the angle of, like... Well, okay, first, one thing to present also to this that lots of people bring up is that, like, I think from, like, the research they've done on, like, how most people play video games that don't have video game podcasts like us, um, most people buy one video game a year or two. That's, like, most people who own a video game console, like, 90% of them, that is what they do. Is that true? Yes. That's like the vast majority of people buy one game a year or two. So hmm. from that perspective, that makes sense. when you think about it that way, if Call of Duty is the one game you buy a year, for $10, for first of all, if you're PlayStation, it's like if most people are only buying one game a year, that makes your business model a little bit daunting. Sure. So maybe we do, if we're going to spend billions and billions of dollars in R&D on this new Call of Duty game, we might have to raise the price to make it affordable if all people are only buying one game a year. Um, well, and that's true. It, right. And if you're buying one game a year, it's 10 more dollars. 
is that the end of the world? But yeah, what's interesting to me is that, like, why does that need to be how games are made? Like, for me, like, sure, I liked the new God of War game, but the games that I find the most memorable and, like, that I love the most is, like, take Hollow Knight, for example, which I think I got for, like, $12, which is normally the highest price is, like, 20 Like, that game's amazing, and it doesn't need lifelike graphics that are so realistic that they look like like you don't need all of those things that cost billions of dollars to make a great game so why is it that the studios are like the thing that we need to do is all of these things that cost trillions of dollars like no they don't there's tons of look at undertale for example like there are tons of great examples of game design that are compelling and interesting that don't need to cost billions of dollars and yet sony and xbox are like well we need to make the next god of war which is going to cost us eight billion dollars to make there's a place for that but that doesn't need to be like the entire industry you know what i mean yes yeah i agree with that like that's the industry standard as opposed to the industry standard being like focus on a, a good game with a cool art style like god of war is that but it's also you know uh triple a a triple a title on a triple a system um but i guess that has always focused on like this has to look as lifelike as possible that our technology will allow us to and that's the difference like i agree i still agree with what you're saying but like the industry standard is in large part this this needs to look realistic so that it's more immersive in that way i guess what i'm saying is like i think industry it's it's frustrating that they're like well the standard needs to be that we charge 70 dollars because all of our games are so expensive but it's like you don't need to focus your entire business model on games that are insanely expensive look at hades like you know what i mean like it's just like that's what's annoying but also to me like that's sort of why i have opted out of the playstation xbox next gen world because i find those games to be uninteresting and expensive for what they are sure like i don't know like that's sort of how i approach so for me like tears of the kingdom in particular that does not bother me that it's 70 dollars because well first of all it's a different conversation if every nintendo game is now going to cost 70 dollars right i don't know if we don't know if that's the case right because (laughs) i'm gonna say a trigger word so everyone get ready okay Pokemon Violet and Scarlet, if they charged $70 for that game and it came out the way it came out where it's broken and it looks bad and it doesn't function all the time, people would burn Nintendo to the ground. Yeah. And rightfully so. You can't charge $70 for a broken product. But a game like uh, Breath of the Wild, of course, Tears of the Kingdom, Yeah. Um, when you're talking about something that's going to be probably revolutionary to a degree is a sequel to a a, a revolutionary game it's six years like, in the making six years in the making it it's a zelda game one one of the biggest franchises in gaming i mean it makes sense yeah think of it this way if you bring your car to an auto shop and you're like hey i need an oil change and they're like okay that's 60 dollars for all the stuff i need and the labor and you're like, 
that's kind of a lot. I could get the stuff myself and do it for like 40, 45. You're paying for the care of someone else. Like yeah. with these games, you're paying for people who know how to code and make these wonderful games. And I just don't like that the industry standard has become we're going to charge 70 to $80 for a game that we know that everyone knows that you could actually buy between 30 and 50. Well, I, I, this, the thing is, I don't know if you could buy it for 30 to 50. I do think it depends on the game. Well, right. Sure. It's like, but like in the case of PlayStation and Xbox, like I do think they have backed themselves into a corner because of the costs. It's just like, you don't need to get, make games that cost that much from right. my perspective. Right. I don't know that people would have paid 30 or uh, 60 to $70 for Hades. I do know that people would pay $30 for God of War, but you can't do that. Right. Yes. Yeah. And it's also too, it's tricky with Nintendo because they kind of famously charge $60 for everything. And like, I do think there is an art, like for me in my personal, I'm like, I'm not paying $60 for Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl. I think that there is maybe rightfully some outrage that that game costs $60. Sure. It's a remake of a game. Um, 40 top dollar. Right. For what that game ended up being. Right. So, but then, you know, it's like, it's like, are they going to start charging $70 for every Kirby game that comes out? That's becomes a different conversation. Right. <laughs> it's like, or, I don't want to pay $70 for a Kirby game is, does not feel worth it. Right. So, um, yeah. You know, would you have paid $70 for Mario Odyssey? Maybe. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Would you pay $70 for uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time? Me? absolutely not well no not in not now in its day maybe but that cost but so yeah and you know also to be fair to nintendo and i don't we don't know where this is going does this mean every game is going to cost 70 dollars? but they released the metroid prime remake which looks beautiful and mm -hmm. it's 40 right and i'm like shocked that they did that so this sparks a question for me yeah so nintendo has seen that uh, studios that are doing like God of War, Call of Duty, Shoot a Man, Hogwarts Legacy are doing this next gen. You get two for the price of one and a half. Are they gearing up for that? Is Tears, of the, is Tears of the Kingdom $70 because maybe they're going to announce early next year. By the way, if you bought Tears of the Kingdom on the Switch, you're going to get a copy um like all you have to do is register or something with a serial number in the case or whatever whatever it is um and you get a copy on the next gen nintendo console i don't know maybe maybe not but Who knows it it sparks the question like why all of a sudden is nintendo hopping aboard that train is it just yeah. because it's a triple a title like zelda or is it because they're gearing up for their next gen yeah so i guess where i land on it is like for me $70 is not a question. I, without a doubt, I'm going to do it. But I also tend to personally, when it comes to $60 games, I tend to really evaluate that pretty harshly. Mm -hmm. um, Fire Emblem Engage, I paid $60 for. I played that game for 40 hours. Um, I don't think I'm going to finish it, but it feels worth it. Octopath Traveler 2, going to pay $60 for it. That feels totally worth it to me without a question. So like, I think maybe... I think for people, it's like, it's like I think games that are going to cost that much are going to cost that much because of development time. Mm -hmm. It's more a question of like, is it worth it to you? 
Um, and Tears of the Kingdom, without a doubt, I'm like, I'll happily pay $70 for it. That's like my most anticipated game, I think, ever <laughs> in my whole life. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It's interesting. What do you think? Here's a question. What do you think the next Nintendo console is going to be? <laughs> so I've seen a lot of speculation online, and I kind of hope. I don't remember where I saw it. Maybe TikTok or something. Um but someone was theorizing that, oh, maybe it was you. You and I were talking about this, that maybe Nintendo was just going to hop aboard the PlayStation train and just do the Switch 2 or the Switch like Omega or whatever and just keep tweaking the Switch forever or or for the foreseeable future because the Switch is kind of the culmination of nintendo's mission statements since nintendo launched gaming consoles yeah i did present that idea to you i had heard it in a video but i heard it more as like the iphone where like is is nintendo gonna be like now it's the switch 2 the switch 3 and essentially just have like what is the iphone you can just buy the newest one but keep that platform alive forever yeah i kind of feel like nintendo might be done with gimmicks like so so let's talk about let's talk about nintendo's legacy up to the switch so they've always been focused on two things in general family fun well okay three family fun fun and interesting art styles and to a degree portability yes you have you know the NES, the Super Nintendo, the N64 were their home consoles. And then, of course, the Game Boys, which revolutionized portable gaming. Um, and I think up until the Wii, the handhelds were, like, by far mu- way more successful. Like, once you hit Nintendo 64, the, the rest of those systems did not do nearly as well as the Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, and Nintendo DS, which are, like, famously successful until right. you have the Wii. But here's the thing about the gimmicks, though, is the Wii, which is all gimmick, mm-hmm. is the thing that, like, shot Nintendo to new heights. Right. And why is that? Do you know the answer? It's Be- kind of a rhetorical question. Because of the family fun aspect. Family fun yeah. slash accessibility. Right. Anyone could, I I have played the Wii with my nani, and it's great. Right, like my nani playing like Wii Sports or Wii Fit or something. Like the Wii was so accessible to everyone; it was literally fun for the whole family. But here's the thing: is like what makes me wonder is like the gimmicks are like Nintendo's success and their detriment because after the Wii came the Wii U which almost bankrupt them. So the question is, here's really the the binary for after the switch is do we get do we get something that is well really there's three choices. We can just get they're like we landed on the switch. This is what we're going to bank our future on and we're just going to make something that isn't gimmicky. It's just continuing what the switch is, which is making really great games. Or do mm-hmm. we get something gimmicky? that like revolutionizes stuff again or do we get something that is an absolute abject failure like the wii u like do we get something great or awful after this so before i answer that let's take a couple steps back the wii u yes it almost bankrupted nintendo yes but 
if you think about it, and I think you and I have talked about this before, Tommy and I certainly have. Tommy, if you're listening, text us. <laughs> uh, and uh, what Tommy and I have discussed is the Wii U was the precursor to the Switch. Mm-hmm. And the, the only don't... reason the only reason we didn't go to, and they go, you know, we're not going to let go of port- oh, God, we're, we're, we're not going to let go of portability. We're going to keep making the Switch because I mean. When you think about it, the Switch Lite is kind of their current Game Boy. You know, I'll be the first one to argue, like, I don't think the Switch is, like, portable enough. Like, I think for people, and I love portable gaming. Oh, no, I agree with you. Like, I love portable gaming. I think the Switch does not fulfill that role that well because it's too big. Yes. Give me the size of the Switch Lite, which I don't know if you've held in your hands. Smaller. I think smaller is portable, the way to go. Well, yeah. People want to fold it like their SP. Yeah. Okay. So so let's go there, but make a dock for it still, and just that'd be amazing. You know, right? It'd be amazing. I think you can. I think Nintendo could stay with the concept of the Switch, quote unquote, but play with that. Like you know, make, okay. So I'm make gonna, it foldable. So I'm gonna give you the binary. Then you do you think Nintendo is gonna go gimmicky? in a bad way that flops or do you think we're going to get something super successful that continues what everyone hopes for Nintendo? My answer is going to blow your mind. You think we're going to get both? Yep. I think they're going to go, this is the Nintendo blah, blah, blah. This is the home console and it lives in your living room and it's fun for everybody. (laughs) It hangs from the ceiling and talks to you. (laughs) It's a big robotic arm. Here's, here's the Nintendo switch Omega and it has a body and it follows you around. Like, I don't know. And one of them will flop. And the other one that's more closely related to what they're doing now, the Switch, will succeed. Or maybe flip-flopped. I don't know. Maybe it's possible. I, don't, I, think, I think they're going to try and split it again. I think they're going to... Because they've, you know, like we were talking about, they've converged the portable and the home console. Yeah. I think they're going to split again. Yeah, could be. Honestly, like if it were if they told us the Nintendo Switch is the new iPhone and we're just going to continue that forever and continue making great games, I would be I'm like that's all that's I fine. need in this world. For me, that's make improvements on the Switch forever, that's fine. That's all I need is cuz at the end of the day, people are playing Nintendo because they make better games than anybody. Yeah. In a lot of instances, they have a great library. In in a lot of instances, Nintendo just makes games that other people can't or won't do, and they're not focused on like, can we make it look like you realistically could see every pore on Kratos's face? They're like, right. is the game fun? And that's what a lot of people need. That's yeah. It. I don't need to watch the sweat drip down Link's face, right? But I want to hear the music. I want to hear right. his feet running through the grass yep and nintendo's always been good at that right so i don't know it it remains to be seen i'm interested in uh in where they go i i think you may be right i think they may stick with something like the switch as like this we know we can be successful at this and we know we can continue that on and that'll be like that's like our game boy color or whatever and we'll try the new wacky nintendo smell as well that is a it's a robot arm that hangs from the ceiling yeah, that uh, it it shoots out. Each game is designed with like smell in mind, so we'll like shoot out like smell from the from the robot arm that hangs from the ceiling, 
Nintendo gosh. smell. <laughs> In this demo, Link is running through the skunk fields. Uh-oh, watch out for that skunk. He looks angry. And then you just get a big whiff of skunk, and you're like, oh, no, why did I buy the Legend of Zelda smell vision game? It's like Super Mario Odyssey, but instead of his hat, it's like a giant nose. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, it's his mustache, and it, like, carries smells on it. Yes. <laughs> okay, what games are we talking about today, <laughs> This was all the lead-up segment that's been almost an hour where we haven't even really talked, but this was all the pre, the pre-pod. The Nintendo Rabbit Hole coming 2025. Oh my god, so we're talking about... Before we jump ship, Yeah. one little side comment, Yeah. because we talked about portable gaming being back on the rise. Yeah. Just want to say it again, I've said it before, I want to say it again. Yeah. Any day now, within the next couple of years... Sony's going to announce the resurgence of the PSP. It could be. It's coming. Also, make, I just, the, I... make the Switch more ergonomical. The Wii U, have you held the Wii U pad lately? Yeah, I love it. It's very comfortable. It's great. I don't I don't know. I've thought about it. I mean, I I don't know. I'd be amazed if Sony focused on that because and I don't know enough about that company, but it seems like they're just so far. They've sunk all of their uh, resources and time into this thing that they're doing. And I don't personally see any indications that they're going to jump from that thing. It would be cool if they did. And like, I don't know. You know me. I'm all about portable gaming. I think it's like the absolute coolest. Um, it's, it's great. I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, you and I have been both been playing portable games since we were literally children yeah so and it's and it's on an upswing right now it is so i think any day now sony's gonna be like guess what everybody psp's coming back or maybe in a year we'll be recording on this pod and trevor will be like it's definitely coming in 2024 (laughs) so all right 2027 is my year baby all right let's talk about our games uh uh um okay well we're gonna talk about mario before we before we go deep dive on mario we we played a couple games these are all the games played this weekend oh my gosh so many well stacy played i feel like stacy should be in here stacy played dragon quest a little bit who's stacy shovel tongue Oh, we're canceled. She, thank God she doesn't listen to our podcast anymore because she would be so furious. Um, so Stacy play, and I played a little bit of Dragon Quest Eleven on right. Trevor's file, which true. was lovely. Um, thank you for advancing me a little bit. You're welcome. Um, we played... Uh, see, and I'm in a similar place with like Breath of the Wild where like, I feel like if you don't finish that game, that's fine. I just needed to to get you to the part where it's pushed past where you see more characters and more story and you're like, oh, this is... And just, like, see it get there a little bit. Oh, I'm gonna finish it. I want to. Like, I want to now. I'm really... I told you the other day, I'm glad that I was wrong. With Dragon Quest or Breath of the Wild? Breath of the Wild. I wanted to be wrong. Yeah. So, but any... I'm just saying, with Dragon Quest, I I am a little bit more at the point where I'm like, at least you've seen a little bit more of it again mm-hmm. before you throw your hat in the ring of what you think of it. Sure. Um, which can I just say when we played like Stacy's been playing dragon quest 11 and like every time she turns it on, I'm just like, I just want to grab the controller and play for like three hours. Like I find this world to be like so relaxing and colorful and I'm like nostalgic for it, even though I only played it two years ago and it's like all I want to do 
is stop playing everything else and just play Dragon Quest Eleven again because I love it so much. Having not seen a lot of Dragon Quest, do you know what it looks like aesthetically? What? It looks like if Pokemon and Legend of Zelda had a baby. Yeah, pretty much. It would, but it was like drawn by the guy who does the art for Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Like that's, yes, that's, you're correct. It's in that wheelhouse. So we played a little bit of that. We played Monster Hunter Rise. Oh, yeah, we did. We, that was fun. And we beat a monster. He tried to show us his rock. So that was cool. Yeah. Um, and that that's a game I would like to play more with you specifically because I know you like Monster Hunter. I do um, love it. I know you haven't been on it as much lately, but I think the next time, the next time the mood strikes you, let me know and we can play together. Because that was fun for us to play online. Yeah, and there will be, I mean, at some point there will be another Monster Hunter game that comes, and maybe that will be more the point when like we'll fall into Monster Hunter. Yeah, or maybe we backtrack a little bit and get Monster Hunter World on PS4. Maybe it's on it. Maybe. Um. All right. We played Breath of the Wild. A lot. We played Super Mario, the Wii one, or the not the Wii one, uh, the Switch one. We which which was the Wii U one, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, Isn't I don't remember like what it's called. Super Mario Brothers Wii U Deluxe is literally yeah. the full name of it. Something like that. Um, we played a little bit of WarioWare. Oh yeah. yeah, we had we had our buddy Johanna over. If you're listening, text us. Um, and we played some WarioWare for the Wii U. Which, by the way, that was a game that when they announced. The uh the Wii U eShop was shutting down. I was like, I need to buy this game before it goes away forever because it's so fun. That was my first experience with a WarioWare game. Really? Yeah. Oh, they're great. Yeah, um, it was really fun. Yeah, they're well that wasn't that wasn't a WarioWare game. Oh, what was that? I, I have no was, idea. Oh, because Stacy had mentioned playing WarioWare, so I thought that's what that was. No, WarioWare games are all like wacky, insane mini game things. That's oh. not really like a WarioWare game. Oh, I thought that was WarioWare games, and I could p- show you the one on the Game Boy after this or something. Yes, I have please. the literally WarioWare games are this is like you play a series of mini games and you have like four lives, and it's like. It'll be like this. You'll get a one-word prompt that's like, jump. And then you'll see like a, a character on a skateboard, and you have to like hit A at the right time to jump, or you die. And then you'll get another mini-game that'll pop up that's like, that's like uh, smash. And then it'll be like a bunch of pots, and you have a character with a hammer, and you have to... They're all like three-second mini-games that like fire back to back. Oh, snap. That's what Warrior is. That sounds is. a little stressful. No, it's, uh, it's weird. Um, <laughs> what else did we play? Uh, is that it? That might be it. Is that it? I know you played Octopath Traveler while I was showering. This well, no, I actually didn't. Oh. That was going Your to. Your Switch was on it. Yeah, so I was I going to, but I didn't. Okay. Um, Played a lot of Breath of the Wild. I also played, see, I don't know if today's the day I'm going to bring it to the pod, but I have been playing uh, Link Between Worlds. Oh, yeah, you were playing that. Well, that was kind of fun. I was playing Breath of the Wild, and you were playing <laughs> Link Between Worlds. Yeah, that's the game that I'm like gearing up to bring to the pod next. I don't know if it's time. I think you should save it for when I bring Breath of the Wild to the pod. No. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm going to bring it. If I don't bring it today, I'm bringing it like next week. So it's it's like the game I'm playing. So. All right, then I guess I just have to play a lot of the Breath of the Wild and bring it next week. I Well... I, I'll do it if you want to. We can have like a Zelda spectacular. Yeah, I thought that'd be fun. All right, cool. Season two finale. Also, now that it's on the Switch library thing, I feel like at some point you should play Zelda Minish Cap, which is a phenomenal game. Yeah, you know, I I would like to 
experience more Zelda games because I I really haven't like Breath of the Wild is my first experience proper. yeah my first like proper introduction to the Zelda franchise I would like to play Link's Awakening because I I think the the chibi style they used is kind of cute you played didn't you kind of play that one or no I played it very little I watched someone else play a lot mm. um I know. I know there are mixed feelings on Skyward Sword, but Skyward Sword is on Switch. You may if love can, it. Like, if I can get it for $30 or less, I'll get it. You may love it. I may be like, I don't know. It's like I never know how to advise people on this because I know so many people that just love 3D Zelda. Like they love, love, love those games. They just don't interest me as much, but you may love them. You may even want to do like Twilight Princess or something. People love that game. What's that on? Well, originally it was on Wii. Do you have one on uh, like a Game Boy or something that I could borrow? Well, yes, but I think you should play Minish Cap. Might be a great place for you to start. But I think you might just be better off emulating it. To be honest with you, I could do that. Cause no offense, but Minish Cap is one of those games that like if you go on eBay right now is like a hundred and forty dollars for Game Boy, oh. and I'm like not trying to give away my minish cap copy that's even just fair. for borrow because it's very well, dear to and my that heart one's on the virtual console it is on switch now so that's fine so yeah I could, so i could do that my stance on all of all of the 2d zelda games are absolutely phenomenal and like some of the best games i've ever played and that uh, that opinion has only doubled down since i've started playing link between worlds okay which like i won't talk about it today we'll save it for our spectacular but like when I started playing it again for the third time, I've played it two other times. When I picked it up now and started playing just as like, a, maybe I'll bring it to the show. Within a half an hour, I was like, this is maybe one of the best games I've ever played. Like I'm having huh. more fun minute by minute playing this game than I've done in most games in my life. Like so, and that has solidified in my mind that 2D Zelda games are just some of the best ever. Okay, well, so... I will begin my Legend of Zelda journey, and you can kind of coach me through. Like, play this. Don't play Ocarina of Time. Well, you you <laughs> may have to. Yeah, you won't love Ocarina of Time. I mean, I I think I think anyone who hasn't played it as a kid is gonna not love it. Yeah. But um, I think you should kind of just do you on it, to be honest. Because again, I may be wrong. You may play Twilight Princess, which people love and adore that game, and like, you might be like, this is the one for me. I don't know. Would you say that one was on? Well, originally Wii, so there may not be. I there's there's long been rumors that we're gonna get Wind Waker and Twilight Princess for the Switch. That's been like a two year long rumor. Mm. I don't know if that'll ever come through. So maybe Skyward Sword is the place. I don't know. It's mm. hard to say. It seems like a a decent starting point. I guess. I mean, it's there. It's accessible. Like I said, if I can get Skyward Sword for thirty dollars or less, I'll get it. Yeah, I mean. But I'm not paying full price for a game that i might not love yeah i think um look i think for people that do like skyward sword they're like the remake did a lot of really great things that that like were awful and annoying in the first game that they just straight up fixed so hmm. well that's promising yeah so you might love it i don't know i heard that the motion controls are not great for skyward sword so i'd probably play handheld to avoid that yeah you don't have to play motion controls which yeah. is cool um so yeah so we'll see yeah. So should we talk about Mario then? Let's t let's talk about Mario. Let's talk about Super oh Mario. Oh my goodness. Okay. The so chaos that ensued last night. So Trevor showed up at my house to visit. This is unrelated to the pod. It just was like Trevor's coming to visit. 
And uh, he was like, all right, we have to play a game for the for the pot. And I was like, yes. And he was like, we should play new Super Mario Wii U, whatever it's called. And I was like, no, we're not going to do that. And then <laughs> I was just like, I don't want to do that. But then yesterday I was just like, you know what? I, I think we should do it. I don't know why, but I was like, I changed my tune. Let's do it. And Trevor was like, okay. And immediately within five minutes was like, this is the best idea we've ever had in our whole lives it was great. It was chaos. It was chaos. So it, it started was super fun though. Yes. It started with me and Trevor, which was already chaos. But then after a while we were like, we have to hand a third controller to Stacy. And like, will probably be one of the days that I like on my deathbed will be like, I remember this night. Playing I remember Mario. back in 2023. Yeah. Like so much fun. This game. I'm also notoriously bad at Mario games specifically. Specifically. Yeah. For some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, so if you don't know anything about it, it's like the new Super Mario, which is all like this like polished-looking 3D Mario games that they started making way back in the DS, I think. It's like an old line of new Super Mario Bros. But like this one came out for the Wii U, and sort of the thing, like a lot of Wii U games, is that you can do four-player co-op. But it's not co-op. It's destroy your friends and ruin their happiness. <laughs> like It's, hey, guess what? We're not friends anymore. No, I'm not joking. Stop laughing, Andy. Why are you laughing? Andy, I'm leaving. Co-op. <laughs> Mario the game. Yeah, like, so that's, <laughs> that's like, it. So, like, I don't know. I, and, like these the levels are all really well designed mm-hmm. and like for as much as i want to write this game off the levels are all really really fun the new mechanics that they have in the game are delightful like you have like your little squirrel suit man the squirrel suit man is great which is kind of like the cape from super mario world where like you can float but you also have a cool boost move where you mm-hmm. can shoot up in the air and like um yeah this game is just like you want to like sit down and play a level and have a blast is this the game yeah and definitely play with a couple of friends and make sure it's friends you want like you know could stand the test of oh my god what is wrong with you because it will test your friendships yeah it's like it's like half of the fun is just messing up everyone's day if you're like three months into a new relationship and you really want to test it and make sure if it's gonna last are we gonna go the distance yeah (laughs) i I need you to play this game before we go steady yeah i need you before we move in together i need to see how this is gonna go (laughs) yeah if she if she if they that person walks out of your life forever it wasn't meant to be. Yeah, if she's like, if this is what living together is going to be like, Brendan, then you can just get out of my apartment. And Brendan's like, it's not my fault. You don't know how to play Mario games, Martha. <laughs> yeah, so it's just like, it's just total, total nonsense. Like, they give you four of every power-up, which is great. So, like, you hit a power-up block and they just shoot out, uh, shoot out as many um, power-ups as you could possibly want. Um, and you like all have them, but like, it's so easy to steal all four of them on accident and yeah, like Andy, it is. ruin your w- what or on accident. I said one ups you were stealing from me on purpose. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, <laughs> like Andy, Andy ended up with like 39 lives and Stacy and I were both just dwindling the whole time. Oh my God. Yeah. And they give you unlimited continues, which is great, but it's just like the shame. They keep track of how many continues you need. So here's Stacy with like four continues and they're like here's five more lives 
you suck by the way yeah that's exactly what the game does it's like yeah you can live but you have to live with the shame of being terrible at mario yeah they just know that all of your friends are gonna hold it over your your head forever and like what was the level like this this was another thing like they knew they knew that this was horrible but they made a level where like there's this constantly moving block that like there's axes swinging above so you have to like jump it's like an endless pit below you and there's this moving block and you have to keep up with the block while dodging the swinging axes that are swinging down below and like they just throw so many levels in which are actively made harder with three people which is hilarious yeah part of the fun is how aggravating it is <laughs> right and like yeah so Whatever the level was, it just like it hit the point where both Stacy and Trevor just ran out of lives, and it was like, "Yay, I can finally finish the level!" And they were like, "Go, oh, Andy, you can do it!" And uh, yeah, it's just like, oh my god, that was where like I've never seen Stacy laugh so hard in my whole life when she just fell off like I a fifteenth time off. I of thought that she block. was gonna cough out a lung last night. Oh my god! Yeah. Uh, I I wasn't helping at all with bosses because I knew it was just gonna be way worse if i actually tried to help so i helped by not helping you and trevor kept picking up stacy and i was like you guys you guys work as a team over there and trevor just <laughs> held stacy over his head while they stood in the corner and did nothing you know? i took so many bullets for stacy last night <laughs> oh my god oh my good golly gosh lots of, lots of bullet bills i don't know what it is about this game and maybe you can answer that like when I look at this game on my Switch and I also own it, I just go, oh, I'm just not going to play that game. But like, as soon as I turn it on and start playing, I'm having the best time. Why is that? I've had this phenomena. I've had this phenomena happen to me in both directions where like, I want to play this game and then I pick it up and I'm like, eh. Or what you're talking about where like, it doesn't sound appetizing, but then you pick it up and you're like, this is great. And I feel like Part of it is because, like, maybe it's just not as fun on your own. Or, um, you know, or maybe you thought you weren't in the mood for, like, that happy Mario music or or whatever. Like, maybe you're not in the mood for an element of this game. But then you pick it up and you realize, mm, no, I am. This, this is just fun and great and colorful and like interesting and yeah character designs are you know it's mario they're always fun to look at i think part of it is the new super mario aesthetic which like i feel like i played those games as a kid like the first ds one and even then being like oh this is just kind of the most boring iteration of what mario is he's just in 3d and in the colors you expect maybe that's what i feel like i need is and i said this to you yesterday i was like we haven't had a new 2d side-scrolling mario since this one on the wii u and yeah. it feels like that may be coming in our near future but i feel like it needs more of like a twist or an interesting art style or some sort of interesting gimmick in the gameplay that's not just here's mario he looks shiny and he jumps and like i think that's where i get hung up on it you know yeah so all right let's explore that if you if you were in charge of making a new 2d mario game like what would be the thing that could like elevate the experience for you um, I think it would be first a revamped art style, but okay. knowing Nintendo, they tend to like 
they tend to merge the art style with the world in some interesting way. Like I think of like Paper Mario, for example, which is not only the aesthetic of the world, but it has a lot to do with that. Like because Mario is made of paper, he like can twist and and fit between small cracks because he's like a piece of paper. So I feel like some version of the game where we have a revamped art style um, that also has to do with like how the game plays. Um, and I don't know what that is with Nintendo. That could be like maybe you're doing some some uh, merged version of like 2D and 3D. Or maybe it's like 2D Mario, but like you're switching between two universes or like, I don't know, something. But like that's what I envision is like something that isn't just here's Mario again and you jump. Yeah. And he looks shiny, you know? Yeah. Because you think about, like, I always think about back to the early, early, early Mario games is, like, you had uh, the original Super Mario Brothers, mm -hmm. which was, like, awesome and classic. And then you had Super Mario Brothers 2, which is, like, where you get to pick up all of the characters and hold them over your head. And Oh, yeah. Is that the one with the onions where you, like, pull the onions yep. out of the ground? Yeah. Yep. So I you have, have that one. You have that one. Then you have Super Mario 3, which has its oh, whole yeah. play aesthetic and, like, it has its own art style. And, like, there's a whole energy to the world and the overworld. And then you had Super Mario World, which was, like... Nintendo being like, okay, what if we made this game super huge and super polished and had, like, a huge overworld with tons of secrets to find? And, like, each of those was sort of its own iteration on, like, the Mario formula. Like, how can we push it further, give it a new art style, add some interesting mechanics and stuff? Um, whereas, like, New Super Mario Brothers has just been... Here's another new Super Mario. Here's another new Super Mario Brothers. Here's a new another new Super Mario Brothers. And like I feel like they need to inject something into it that gives it like its own identity. Yeah. It makes it feel fresh. So here's a question. Yeah. Or a thought, I guess. Yeah. So we have Super Mario All Stars. Yeah. Um, that is, you know, a collection of Mario games. Yep. Now we have Super Mario 3D All Stars. Yeah. How long before we get another collection of like, I don't know, like Paper Mario, um, Super Mario 3D World, and I don't know, some other random Mario game. Like, there are so many Mario games out there, and there's two collections. And collection, like, I feel like collection games have also been on the rise lately. Maybe. Like, Mega Man has like four of them. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles has one. Uh, uh, Lego has a couple of, you know, like, I just, I'm wondering how long before, because if Nintendo wanted to, they could just crank them out. Like, there's so many Mario games. Yeah, it feels like, it feels like I don't, I don't think we're going to get as many of those with Mario specifically, because... It's like Mario is just sort of the cash cow boon that they can rely on, right? Like, if they gave us Mario Odyssey 2, billion dollars in profit. Oh, for sure. If they give us the next 3D Mario, billion dollars in profit. Like, whatever. I feel like the reason we, we have gotten less Mario collections is because... I don't think there's a necessity for Nintendo to, like, sell those games back to us again. They're already insanely, hugely successful. Unless we get, like, an older... I mean, there was... There was uh, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga is now on the Game Boy Advance um, library thing mm -hmm. that they announced. Like, it'd be cool if they gave us, you said Paper Mario, it'd be cool if they gave us, like, a Mario RPG collection. 
like yeah. of the Paper Mario games or whatever, but like the, Nintendo doesn't seem to care about the Mario RPG series like literally at all. No, like, they don't. I don't think they do. Like even Origami King, which lots of people loved, was kind of just like a flop, at least in terms of like what people wanted from it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Those feel like an afterthought. I would love it if we got more things in the RPG world or more collections. But even 3D All-Stars people were like mad about <laughs> Which is so weird to me. Well, I can see why people were mad that Galaxy 2 was not included for God knows why. Because a lot of people um, prefer Galaxy 2 to Galaxy 1 for a myriad of reasons. And just for no reason, they just didn't include it. <laughs> like, so weird. So, like, that game is dead forever unless you happen to have a Wii and you can still play it. Like, I understand why people were upset with that not being included. But, yeah. And it sucks that it was limited edition. That's stupid. Yeah, like that why? is. I agree with that. That was dumb. Especially the digital. Like, just give us the digital forever. Like, let us buy yeah, it. Yeah, like, I feel like collections are a whole other way to cash in on games that are already cash grabs. Yeah, right. So, I don't know. It's like, I wish there was a revitalization of the new Super Mario Brothers thing. But, like, this game is just the most fun. Like, whether you want to play with your siblings or with your friends, I feel like this is a must-play for everyone. And oh, I yeah. I feel like going forward, whenever I have guests at my house, I'm like, we need to play this game. Like, we need to play a couple levels and get mad at each other and yell and laugh at all of the wacky shenanigans it's just like i don't know why this game has a mental block for me too that i'm like i don't want to play it because i'm too cool for 2d mario now yeah. i'm like 30 yeah if you want chaos and family fun this is the game for it it's great i'm i'm glad you brought it up and like i'm glad stacy played it because like yeah it's just like this is exactly yeah i'm glad she played with us too because you and i were already chaotic and then we threw stacy in the mix and it was like oh what have we done it's just like so much frustration. I will say this. We were yelling about this yesterday. Why does the game need to pause for a second whenever anybody Ugh. dies or gets a power up? That makes it so much harder to play this game. Yes. Yeah. 100% agree. Yeah. But like, I feel like this era of um, the four player frustration co-op games of Nintendo, like I want more of them, please. Yeah. I want more of them. Give me more. And this is for every game developer. Give me more couch Couch co-op games. Yes. I know you love them. Yeah. Please. Like when I think of my childhood, I think of like, um, and not, not even necessarily just co-op, but like games I could play with my friends when they come over. Like Mm -hmm. I think of, um, you know, Mortal Kombat, which is still a big one for me. And probably for that reason, I think of, um, the Tony Hawk games. Right. You know, I, I think of um, Crash Bandicoot had like a, um, I forgot what it was called. It was their version of um, Super Mario Party. Oh, yeah. Crash Bash. Yeah, yeah. Crash Bash. Um, Crash Bash pops in my head. Like these games that you could play with your friends when they come over, there are not enough of them. Yeah, Nintendo seems to lead the charge a little bit with them too, but even they seem more lacking. Yeah, I hear the the Kirby Cake game thing is fun. Oh, yeah. Which is like, it's like Kirby Mario Party, kind of. Yeah, and I feel like the only reason Nintendo still does it is because that's part of Nintendo's mission statement. Like, they've always done family friend or, or family fun yeah. stuff. So, like. But, I, you know, I'm with you on the couch co op, and, like, I especially like games like this where 
and like I love playing like some single player games that are like deeply memorable to me but like last night is an example of all for 10 years I'm gonna be chasing that night that we all played new Super Mario Brothers together and like had the best time ever and like me and Stacy are really great about that. Like we we love to play a lot of games together that are like an adventure. Like how many people are like, oh, I remember when I played this game with my friends twenty years ago, and it was like a full adventure from beginning to end. Right. Um, in the best way. We recently started playing Blanc, which came out on Valentine's Day. Nice. And that was our Valentine's Day date. Was we're That's gonna awesome. we're gonna download Blanc and get Chipotle, and uh, it was awesome. It it was a it's a little bit of a disappointment because like the game is cute. And we're gonna finish it, but it's really janky as all get out. Oh. Yeah. So um I don't know, but the art style's great and it's really adorable and it's just like I you play as a deer and a little black fox man who are trying to find their families and they're adorable. And that's the like that's great. That's that all I've ever wanted. Cute and wholesome. Yeah, that's like all we want out of those couch co op games. Yeah, I love them, man. Like they're uh they hold a very special place in my heart. Yeah, me too. So, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, man, that was a great idea. Maybe, maybe in the future we'll retouch Monster Hunter. I feel like at this point in my heart, it's not going to happen for a while. Cause that's fine. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So next time on baby got backlog is going to be our Zelda spectacular whoop, whoop. where Trevor's going to get way more into breath of the wild. I'm going to beat, um, link between worlds. I'm getting pretty close and loving it. And, uh, guess that's it yeah thanks for jumping down the nintendo rabbit hole with us yeah it was a weird we don't normally speculate about stuff like that like systems and and what nintendo will do in 70 dollars games but it uh it all feels it feels like in the next couple years we still don't know what's gonna come of nintendo or the switch or all of these big things there's still like a big a big uh blind spot of we don't know what's coming yeah and it's it's fun to like it's fun to just size yeah. and daydream about what could happen. Yeah. Cause you know, this is in 2024. That's the correct year. Uh, in, in a year from now will be the switch's seventh year of life. And everybody says that's the industry standard is seven years until you get a new console. It's about right. So, and not that Nintendo isn't known for breaking industry standards. It's possible the Switch might have five more years and they just don't care. But it's like, it really is less of a fantasy. It really feels like it may be on the table that they might say sometime this year, here comes the Nintendo smell coming in 2024. I like the idea of the Nintendo buddy I was talking about where he has like a switch for a face, but he's got like a little robot body and he like follows you around and then you can like charge him and take his head off and play it handheld. Amazing. Yeah. Nintendo buddy. It's a great name for it. Yeah. It, it, look, it could happen, but like it might happen soon. It yeah. like we're, we're sort of on the, on the precipice. Yeah. Of Nintendo's Any, Anything could happen with Nintendo. I know. They are that one wild card. You, wild card you can always count on to be like hey we're doing something weird yeah and with playstation it's like oh here comes room tater 15 yeah you know what you're getting with playstation and xbox you never know what you're getting with nintendo i like i've thought about it recently because again i was like thinking about the playstation 5 and the xbox and it's like i'm like 
interested in like I have no interest in those systems at all. The PlayStation Five still has basically nothing to offer, even if you're a PlayStation person. Yeah, and like I, there has been part of me that's considered how cool would it be to like have Game Pass because I love all of those indie games, but like it's just the the state of the industry in the other worlds is so fascinating to me because I'm like it's just so. I don't even know what's going on over there. It's like $70 for another Gunman game. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I I don't disagree with you. Yeah. So, see what happens. I mean, I'm getting a a PS5 exclusively for the Spider-Man sequel coming out later this year. Yeah. That's literally, like, the only reason I want one at this moment. Yeah. Well, and, well but it's on PS4. I was going to say God of War Ragnarok, but it's on PS4. Yeah. So, yeah, but Spider-Man game. 2 will not game, be. I guess, so but that's, that's the one that I've been like, that's the one I'm getting a PS5 for. Yeah. I guess it's like a thing, you know? Yeah. This one maybe got backlog, everybody. Got back, yeah, uh, live and in person. It's weird. Yeah, this time I get to control when we both stop so I can cut you off mid-sentence. Beep, beep, la, 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 la